Welcome to the Michigan Man Podcast on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew for Wolverine fans from coast to coast. Go Blue and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. On our game day segment this week, we have another first-time guest, Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press, who is in his first year on the beat. He will be with us in just a minute. First, a few of my thoughts to get us started. We had our doors blown off in Iowa City on Friday night. Should we be worried? I think yes and no. And how's that for a hedge? Worried that we aren't getting much from our bench. The offense is mired in a slump. And we need to find a big man off the bench to give us some quality minutes to help out John Teske. Not worried because of who we have running the show. If we've learned anything about Coach B, it's that he keeps working the puzzle until all the pieces fit. It might not happen, but my money is on Coach tinkering with this team and having the offense in sync and hitting on all cylinders come March. After Friday's loss, Coach B put things in perspective. He said coming into Iowa and getting beat like that was deja vu all over again. It's happened before and to some pretty good Michigan teams. He mentioned that last year at this time we had six losses or so. No doubt we have things to work on. But we're 20-2 and two and ranked number 7 in the nation right now. As I say so often, let's just sit back and enjoy the journey. It's going to be a February with no easy games, and hopefully we'll have some fingernails left when March starts. My guest today says you can tick off all his team's faults, and when you're done, you still have to say this is a pretty darn good team. Beat writer Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press joins us next here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Here with us on our game day segment this week, another first-time guest is Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. Great to have you with us, Orion. Good to be here. Michigan started February getting blown out on the road at Iowa on Friday night, and all of a sudden, uh, the sky seems to be falling for a segment of the fan base, Orion. And one thing I read all weekend and I heard on ESPN and BTN was that Michigan was exposed on Friday. It was a loss, but I think that might be an overreach, don't you? Yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest problem is that, and this is something we've seen all season, is that there's a lack of depth on this team. Um, the starting lineup is very good, and, and, they, and they have a lot of good players. But the truth is the bench just hasn't been giving Michigan that much production. Early in the year, I, Isaiah Livers and Eli Brooks were, were doing a lot. Um, Isaiah Livers is still playing a lot. He's still, still doing some stuff, but uh, besides him, they're not getting much from the bench. At this point of the season, you know, we have talked about the lack of depth, uh, hoping it was going to uh, get better as the season progressed, uh, and it is what it is. Uh, it's a concern, but at this point of the season, uh, do you think that really that can happen, that that can develop at this point in February? Yeah, yeah, I, I think it can. Um, I, I think... I wasn't on a beat then, but I, I still watched his team back then, and uh, I remembered uh, Karis Burt got off playing time um, towards the end of the season as a freshman, and he was crucial in that Syracuse game in the Final Four. Um, a more contemporary example, Mo Mo Wagner didn't play a lot his freshman year, but it got really late in the year, and, and, and they weren't getting enough from the center position, and he sort of emerged. Now, I'm not saying any of these guys need to come out and, and start 
Um, I'm just saying they need more minutes from you know guys like Brandon Johns and, and Colin Castleman played. Maybe they need him. David DeJulius has gotten some time here. They just need a guy who can, who can you know, come in off the bench and, and hold his own for a few minutes, and, and that's about it. They don't need a guy to come in to be a star, but they need a guy who can come in and play. Well, again, we hear about this uh, the, the depth and the rotation, and one of the things I like to ask all of the, the beat guys covering the team when I have them on the show is some people will say, oh, it needs to be seven or eight or even more that you ro- rotate in and out. I don't know that there is a, a recipe or a standard for any coach or any team, but do you think right now that's about where Michigan needs to get is eight guys you can count on? Yeah, so it, I think eight is a good number because right now they're at like six, and mm-hmm. and get into foul trouble, then you basically only have five guys you can count on, and, and that's a big problem. Um, I mean, look, any team, any good team, if there's an injury to one of the starters, they're going to be screwed, and Michigan yeah. is in the same boat. But if John Teske picks up an early foul, let's say, against Wisconsin, you know, playing against Ethan Happ or playing against Maryland, and Maryland's too big, you got to be able to develop some depth to come off the bench and hold their own. Otherwise, it's just not going to work out that well for you. Well, the rotation is going to be an ongoing concern, but you know what surprises me, Orion, is when the season started, I never thought that I would say this, but it is apparent now that when John Teske is not on the floor, this is a very different team. Yeah, it's honestly, it, I never would have thought that uh, coming in either. Um, I actually covered a team two years ago uh, when he was a freshman and, and his growth from his freshman season to now is just incredible. Um, I honestly, I, I think I've come to the opinion that he is the most important player on the team because you can just tell when he's not on the floor that the defense falls off. Um, and, and then the offense too, his, his impact on offense is understated. His, his teammates trust him so much coming off the ball screen. They, they trust him so much to finish down low. He's got soft hands. He's really good. His, his offensive rating on Kempom is actually the highest on the team. It's like 121.6. So he's just a really, really good player, and, and they're just completely different on both ends when he's not in the game. Well, absolutely. You know you've arrived when, I mean, every Iowa player that I heard interviewed after the game or spoke after the game said our game plan was to go right after Teske and get him off the floor because they realized that too. And uh, they did that, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. So that's actually Luca Garza was, was telling me and, and a bunch of other reporters after the game that their plan was always to attack Teske. And, you know, that makes sense from their perspective because they have, what, Dave Garzo, they have Tyler Cook, they have Ryan Creener off the bench, and, and Bayer. I didn't see Bayer do much, but that's another guy. So they had three guys who can just really go after Teske because they have more depth than Michigan in the front court. And that's, that's what got Michigan into trouble. Garza had 19. Screener at, six, at 15, I think, 15 or 16. Tyler Cook was, was uh, minimized, but the other two guys played well when he didn't. So that was the difference right there. I think a lot of people were chuckling last week when Coach B said, hey, this is a great offensive basketball team. They can go inside. They can go outside. They can do everything. And, and he, he basically said, we haven't played a team like this, this versatile. He knew it was going to be tough, but... You know, they really amped up the defense. That was the, the big change for them. They have not been a good defensive team. We know that. But they look like a team that could be formidable down the stretch. Yeah, they, they really did. I, I agree there. Um, I honestly thought Michigan would, would sort of snap out of its offensive slump um, based on how bad Iowa's defense had been. So it was a little surprising to see Michigan struggle with that. And um, I guess what I'm curious to see is if more teams start to zone Michigan going forward because it's not like this team is, is 
you know, a great three-point shooting team. And, and it's been a slump as a team from outside for a while now. I asked Beeline after the game if, if he thought maybe that would be the case too. And uh, he says it will depend, but he certainly would expect it maybe because not a lot of teams have zone in their back pocket like, like Iowa does. But if you do, maybe that's something that's worth a shot against Michigan. No, and they not only the zone, which was uh, very effective, but uh, the way they switched out from uh, zone man-to-man and then picked up the three-quarter court press and the press – I don't think you're going to see many teams, they might try that, but I don't know if they do it as well as Iowa did. Yeah, no. When they had that press going with the zone, that was super effective because pretty much that was their, their game plan on defense during that 21-2 to run that basically decided the game. And what I was seeing was Michigan wasn't you know, attacking the press enough because usually you can get a few easy baskets when, when a team is pressing that aggressively. But Michigan was sort of tentative, and that led to getting across half court with like, 10 seconds, 12 seconds off the shot clock. Mm-hmm. And then they were just, they weren't even really doing much against the zone. They were just sort of passing around on the outside and they settled for a lot of baseline mid-range jumpers. Which I think, you know, you, you can get that against the zone. I just don't know if that's the shot you want to be taking on nearly every possession. Well, I mentioned on last week's show that I found myself asking how this team had won 20 games heading into last week, heading into Iowa. And I know I always come back to defense is the answer, but this offense, I think over the last five or six games, has really been struggling, uh, Orion. And uh, I'm sure Coach B's trying to figure out what can we do to get this jump started. I don't know if there are any clear answers either. Um, I was looking at the stats. Uh, they're averaging 0.92 points per possession over these past five games. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the two worst performances of the season came in, the bo- in both losses. Um, they just need more production from pretty much everyone, really. Um, Charles, um, he has been in a bit of a slump recently, and in, the, in both losses, he had zero points in the first half. So if they can get him going early, that will help, rather than him having having to, to try to kickstart himself in the second half. That, it seems like it's difficult for uh, when that has to happen. Uh, Jordan Poole has been in a slump, a little bit of a slump recently, too, from outside. I think teams are keying in on him. Because uh, he, he might be Michigan's most individually talented offensive player. I think teams are recognizing that with his uh, skill set. Um, Res Dacus isn't fine. But even then, you see teams overplaying him when he drives, making yeah. it harder to finish at the rim. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't know. Like, those three guys, to me, are key on offense. Obviously, Teske needs to stay in the game. Because without him, it's like playing four and five sometimes on offense. And uh, Xavier, I think, isn't fine. Um, but, yeah, they really need more offense from three of the starters, and Eli Brooks off the bench also needs to uh, provide more production there. The mystery player to me in all of this pretty much has been all year from an offensive perspective is Charles Matthews. I mean, we know what he gives you on defense. He is a great defensive player, so inconsistent on the offensive end, though. And I don't know if it's a confidence issue or what it is. I mean, Xavier Simpson's getting him the ball where he wants it, Orion. I mean... And he seems to hesitate at times. I don't know. Um, he holds the offensive key for this team as far as getting more involved. Yeah, I think he does because right now he's using up a lot of possessions when he is on the floor. So you're going to need a, uh, a step up from him because, I mean, the ball is going to him and he's using the ball on those possessions. But I'm just not really sure where he can step it up. Um, and this isn't me saying that he, that he won't. Obviously, it will get better. I'm just saying it seems like right now he's taking a lot of jump shots. I think he was over seven on threes or something like that against yeah. Iowa. 
Yeah. Um, he's taking some tough twos. Uh, teams are corralling him at the rim, making it really tough for him to finish. It's just tough. It's tough budding. And I think it's what happens when, when teams start keying on you more because he went through a similar stretch last year as well. I'm just not really sure where, where it will get better or what needed. Um, maybe just a couple of those threes that he gets to go down, you know, one yeah. or two of those open threes to go down. That might be it. Um, you never know. Well, one thing that's sort of clear, I think, to all of us uh, as this team struggles to get in sync offensively is uh, unlike a lot of Coach B's earlier teams, this is just not a great perimeter shooting team, is it? It's not great, um, but it's not like – I don't know if it's historically bad for his for his type of teams. Um, I'd say it's probably a little worse than last year's, mm. and, and the stats are bearing that out there at like 34% right now, I think. Um, they were hovering around like 35 or 36 for most, most of the season, uh, if I'm not mistaken. So a couple of bad performances have brought that number down. But they've got – I think they've got two good three-point shooters – in, in pool and, and livers who seem like they're 40% or plus guys. And they've got two guys, I think, who, are, who should be around that 30, 34, 35% range in uh, Brest Davis and Matthews and testing and hit an occasional three. And, and most of the time, that will be good enough. When they're not making twos, that's the problem because they make their bread and butter on twos. So if they're shooting really badly on layups and they're not making a lot of twos, then, I mean – then you really need to hit your three. Well, for a 20-2 and two team, uh, fans seem to be fretting right now, which is kind of amazing. Uh, but you think of the issues on this team, such as shoring up the rotation, finding a big to back up and help Teske, and offensive consistency, I mean, which needs to be fixed. Those are a lot of things. And do you think at this point it really is uh, is fixable? Yeah, I, I think so. Um the death is fixable if you can get Brandon Johns or Austin Davis or Colin Kaufman going. You have three guys there. Um, you hope with your beeline that one of them will, will step up and prove that he's ready. Um, Eli Brooks was playing well earlier this year, and, and he's played well before. Um, so maybe he just needs to get his confidence back by hitting one or two shots maybe. And, and then there you go. You're back to being seven or eight deep. Um, offensively, uh, you, just, you just have to find a way to get Charles Matthews going. And, and that's also doable because he came alive during the tournament last year after playing and shooting pretty poorly um, throughout Big Ten season. He played real well in March. Um, maybe you can get that, that Charles Matthews again. But I think, I think it's doable. I mean, this is still a really, really good team. I know it sounds like uh, doom and gloom coming from me because I was talking about the issues, but they're still a really good team, and, and, and they can still fall back on that defense, which is so good. You know, oh, yeah. when most most of the time when when they have those four minute stretches of not scoring or scoring two points, you know the defense is right there. The defense will carry them through and make sure it doesn't get too bad or make sure their lead doesn't diminish by too much. That's how good it is. So it's still a really good team. It is a very good team, and I sort of fall back on what we've seen from Coach Beeline over the years. His tenure here, his teams uh, seem to get well. Not seem to, they do get better in February, rounding into March towards uh, the tournament. He's going to be uh, mixing and matching and trying a lot of different things in the next uh, few weeks. And I would not be surprised if we see once again, as we always do, some of these young guys, the Brandon Johns uh, and some of the other young guys coming off the bench and starting to contribute more. That wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, no, it wouldn't surprise me either. Um, the center, I think he was re- he was really going with like a matchup-based thing with uh, Austin Davis and, and Brandon mm-hmm. Johns there. But it seems like Brandon Johns was gaining ground. Um, this is this is my conjecture because Beyond will say it's, it's matchup based, um, and he's picking based on opposing teams' centers. 
But I think Brandon Johns was, was right on the cusp of, of taking that job. Um, obviously, he didn't play well against Iowa, and Beeline put in Colin Castleman, which means that he, he wasn't really pleased with what the first two guys were doing, Davis or Johns. So maybe it's wide open again. I don't know. At guard, though, I think if Eli doesn't start taking more shots or, or I don't know, if he doesn't start doing more on offense, you could see more of David Julius. And again, that's just my opinion. Um, but I think Iowa was a hint of that because Dave got in um, and, and Eli didn't shoot the ball well, took, I think, three shots in the all three. Best days like that going forward, then I, I could certainly see Dave playing more. Well, Tuesday it's on the road to uh, Rutgers, so not much time to uh, to worry about or think about what happened on Friday uh, in Iowa City. And Rutgers might be a bottom feeder, uh, as we like to say, but like many, they are really, really tough and a different team at home, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, they actually have a pretty good defense this year, so I don't know. Probably not the thing that Michigan fans want to hear right now. But Rutgers is better than they have been in, in their first two years under their coach. So, yeah, I mean, like, it's the Big Ten. Anything can happen. You saw Michigan State lose at home to a reeling Indiana team. Um, Michigan got clobbered by Iowa. And there are no gimmies, even if you're a favorite. And this doesn't seem like a, as tough of a game as Iowa, but it's still on the road, and that means something. Well, all right. And, and it's, a, it's a big get for Michigan because Saturday Wisconsin comes to Chrysler and, of course, uh, we got them up in Madison. But this is a completely different and much better team right now, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I don't know, because it, it seems like Wisconsin plays differently at home than on the road sometimes. Yeah. But um, they, they they have a legitimate star in Ethan Happ. And it's not great because he, for Michigan because he can draw fouls on John Teske and, and get the backups in the game. And I don't know if anyone can really stop them and stop Ethan Happ. Um, so, so that'll be a difficult game, but it's at home, um, which should help Michigan. Uh, looking at this final stretch here, I think the best-case scenario is for Michigan to get through every non-Michigan State game as unscathed <laughs> as possible so that the race for the Big Ten title really comes down to those games. Because if you start losing some of these other games, like if you drop to Wisconsin, if you drop one to Maryland, if you drop one to Minnesota on the road, then it, it, those two games against Michigan State, they really won't be deciding who wins the Big Ten title like they looked like they might have earlier this year we have to take care of business uh, and, and the good thing for michigan is the spartans lost at home on saturday to uh, indiana so we're still tied for first uh it's it's going to be a really crazy and interesting february isn't it orion yeah because I was, I was looking at uh purdue which is now tied for first um they seem like they have an easier schedule than either michigan or michigan state coming out of stretch here um i mean wisconsin is lurking wisconsin is one game behind they still play michigan um, so I don't know. There's, there's a lot of variability here. You know, that the top, top three or four could change a lot down the stretch of the season. Um, it, it should be fun to watch for sure. Well, a final question for you, Orion, and it's, uh, it's not even a basketball question as we've been talking about hoops uh, for the last uh, bit. This week, of course, is national signing day. And we are just a, a year away from this being as big a day or one of the biggest days, I should say, in college football. It's going to be so quiet uh, this week. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I actually uh, wrote a story about this this weekend, previewing it. Um, I think the biggest change that people have seen um, since the early signing period was uh, instituted by the NCAA is that the actual national signing day in February, all the hoopla, all the pageantry, that's gone. Because all the top kids, and, and basically all of the kids now, they sign in December, a 72-hour period in December. So the actual National Signing Day in February is still a thing, 
it's just not like it was before, you know? Like, I remember, like, people would get home from school. This is talking about myself now. I'd get home from school and turn on the TV, and ESPN would be, you know, running down all the teams. <laughs> and kids, kids would be committing on ESPN, and it was a whole thing. And that's just not the case anymore because everyone commits in December. Well, it, it's changed forever, so uh, we'll see what happens this week. But uh, it, it is such a busy time of year uh, in, in Big Ten basketball. And, of course, we said uh, Rutgers this week uh, on the road. Uh, Wisconsin coming into Chrysler on Saturday. It's going to keep us busy, that's for sure. Uh, our guest hit on the show today in our game day segment this week was a first-time guest, Orion Sang from the Detroit Free Press. Orion, we thank you for uh, taking time to be with us, and we hope as we wind down here in February into March, we can get you back on the show. That sounds good. Thanks for having me on. Quick Hits is next as we wrap it up for another week here on The Michigan Man on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. On Quick Hits today, it was a big week for Kim Barnes, Rico, and the women. It started with a 90-81 win at home against number 13 Iowa and ended on Sunday with a 76-70 win over Wisconsin at the Kohl Center. On Thursday, they're home against Nebraska, then Sunday travel to Happy Valley for a matchup with Penn State. They are 14-9 overall, 5-6 in Big Ten play. Hockey split a pair in Minnesota last weekend. This week they face off with Sparty, Friday night at Yoast, and then the duel in the D on Saturday at the LCA in Detroit. Coach Pearson's young team is 10-11-6 overall, 6-7-4 in Big Ten action. Number 17 softball swings into action this weekend at the Wilson D. Marini Tournament in Tampa. On Friday morning, they meet NC State, and Friday afternoon, number 7, Arizona. On Saturday morning, they start the day against number 5, Florida, and then play USF in the afternoon. They will conclude the five-game tournament on Sunday morning against Illinois State. Baseball gets the season underway next weekend down in St. Petersburg. Don't forget our free show app is available from the iTunes and Google Play stores. You can also hear us on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeart, Stitcher, and Wolverine Sports Radio. In the next week or so, I hope to have our February Extra for you with Steve Lorenz from 24-7 Sports so we can get an update on football recruiting. That will do it for another week, though. I'm your host, Mike Fitzpatrick. Until we meet again, have a great Wolverine week, everyone. Take care, and as always, go blue. Thanks for joining us today on The Michigan Man, here on Wolverine Sports Radio, a member of the V-Sporto Network, and in partnership with SB Nation's Maze and Brew. Our listener lines are open 24-7 for your calls at 313-263-4842. That's 313-263-4842. Or email us at themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. That's themichiganmanpodcast at yahoo.com. The Michigan Man Podcast is produced at the studios of Robin Lynn Productions, Allen Park, Michigan, and is not affiliated with the University of Michigan. Go Blue!